0: Um, To start off today, uh, in in a sermon I heard about this passage we're going to preach on, uh, a preacher in Melbourne, he said said this line, Sometimes you have to tell your mindset what you already know. That's pretty much his line. You have to tell your mindset what you already know. So some people... Okay, now we, now we, you've all heard the throwaway line for people who get scared of flying. Look, it's actually statistically safer than getting in your car. You know, you, you use that comfort on people. Because, but even though that information, we all know that information, some people have a mindset with flying that it's just always about to crash. You know, a bit of turbulence, oh, we're about to die. You know, like some people, their mindset isn't changed by that information. They still have a terrified mindset of flying. You know, you might be, I don't know, Sam, like a Parramatta supporter and you might know in your head, you might know in your head that they always bottle it, but you might have a mindset that hopes they won't, which would be foolish because your experience, your experience goes against that in every single way, but yet you carry hope, you have a mindset of hope in that situation. Sometimes what we know Um, and our mindset are different things. The information we've learnt, the experiences we had are not influencing how we actually behave in the moment. And the thing is, when it comes to being a person of faith, you can know stuff as as a Christian, but you can have the mindset of an atheist. You can know all these things about God, but you can approach moments like God is not there. Um, And and we have to get in the habit of telling our mindset what we already know. Telling our mindset what we already know. Uh, Last week, um, for those who don't know, in this show, when we're talking about a time of transition and change, um, uh, so I'm, I've been the pastor for 60s, I'm moving on um, in a month or so, um, and, and those reasons have been talking about in the community. And we've been just focusing in this little series about, um, you know, speaking into that. What, how do we, how should we behave in times of great transition? And I hope um, this is um, just a, a blessing to you um, from where you're at in your life. So. And we, and we looked at this passage um, last week where it's a fascinating... I love this one of these verses that I was reading in my own quiet time and, and it, it really hit me and sometimes I'm reading the scriptures and, and we should expect that because it's a living word and the Holy Spirit is with us as we read it and it just hit me. And, it, so if you, and those who are, are not people of faith will know this story probably to some degree is that, you know, you've got the Israelites who have been rescued from Egypt by all these miracles, Moses has brought on all these plagues on Egypt God and So imagine being an Israelite and you're there and you know that the reason that you're out of Egypt is because God did all these miracles. You saw them. You saw how those those same plagues were spared upon the Israelites. And so you're out there led by Moses and they're stuck against the Red Sea. So they look a bit stuck and Pharaoh's decided he prefers the slaves around. So he's chased them. He said, we're going to go get those slaves back. So he gets his army and he charges them and they've actually got the Israelites cornered against the Red Sea. And Moses tells them this. Now, if I was stuck against the Red Sea with a big army around me, I might struggle with this instruction myself. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And then he says, the Lord will fight for you. And this is your instruction. You need only to be still. I would struggle to be still surrounded by an army up against the sea but Moses' instruction, his big instruction for the people is you need only to be still and the Bible is full of frustrating commands like that people, if you're an action person sometimes, oh these commands commands like be still abide, stand firm they're not fight or flight or panic or blame or despair or run, it's more like no, no just sit calmly and confidently in your hope in the Lord, just be still very frustrating sometimes, but when we and there's a term we use for that um, that I've I've coined a bit like spiritual composure. That's when our hope is in the Lord. So, how can we as Christians have that mindset where we can actually be calm and confident and still and abiding, no matter what the circumstance is? And um and it's a wonderful conversation to wrap around. Um, and today's passage is a really instructive passage in, in kind of trying to find that space. That this conversation between Jesus and his disciples made it into the sacred scriptures is kind of funny because it's a weird conversation, strange conversation. So we're in Mark chapter 8, verses 14, um, and we'll read down to 16. So uh, not, uh, 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 no, we're going to read down to verse 21, but we're going to look at different parts of it so we won't read it all the way through. Okay, so this is how it starts. Um, if, you, if you don't have a Bible in front of you, you can just listen along. This is how the passage starts. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. So, and, and the reason this is a little bit embarrassing is because Jesus just fed 4,000 people, and it says they picked up seven basketfuls of leftovers, and not a single disciple realized we should bring a little more than one loaf between, like, 20 dudes on a boat. Or however many dudes were in the boat. It doesn't just specify how many of the disciples were there. And one loaf of bread between 20 dudes isn't a lot. That's that's not that gets you hangry. That gets you a bit a bit annoyed. Anyway, so so they maybe have made a bit of a foolish error here in only having one loaf of bread on the boat. So they're they're sitting there, they're a little a bit oh man, why'd you bring just one loaf? Who's, who was the bread person? I don't know. So, so they're being just classic. Dude's having a bit of, bit of an argument over food. In verse 15, Jesus comes in and he says, Be careful, Jesus warned them, Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. So he, he gives them this, this teaching. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And for a little bit of, we can see what Jesus is talking about, at least a little, because part of what Jesus was talking about was just on display a few words before. So after Jesus had just fed 4,000 people and, and he went to this other area, this group of Pharisees came up to him and said, this is, and, and they said, you know, give us a sign. Give us a sign, Jesus, and to test him, because they didn't want to believe in Jesus, they didn't want to follow him, and they're like, they, they began to question Jesus and test him, and they asked him, give us a sign from heaven. And he sighs deeply in frustration, it seems, and says, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. And, and the, part of what Jesus must be frustrated with is certainly Jesus has done miracles for people, who, for people who've asked, right? People have come to Jesus and said, can you heal me? Can you heal my daughter? Can, oh, this has happened to me. But they're coming to Jesus in faith. So Jesus does miracles in response to someone who wants to believe in him. But these people are coming to Jesus and they're coming to God like this, arms folded. You do a miracle for me now. You prove yourself to me, you prove your God to me. And Jesus doesn't dance to that. Jesus doesn't stand, Jesus won't do that, but Jesus will do miracles for people that are seeking him, that are wanting to know him. But anyway, so Jesus was warning the disciples about this sort of thing about the attitude of these sorts of people and this is what okay so you and i i mean even if you're not a christian and you don't read the bible you can tell that that's a metaphor right like watch out for the yeast of the pharisees you don't think that's a food comment now the disciples are clearly so obsessed with this bread problem this bread, this is their response they discussed this with one another and said it is because we have no bread <laughs> jesus is really annoyed with us for not bringing bread that's what that's what he's on about. He's just angry about the bread. And now it's not surprising, okay? Hungry young men, lack of food, they get a bit hangry, get, get a bit maybe get a little too focused on what's not there. But what is surprising about this passage is Jesus' response. Because he actually responds. You would be because Jesus doesn't get angry all the time, so it's worth noting when he does. It's worth noting when he gets passionate because he doesn't actually get that passionate a lot of the time. And and in this particular moment, he gets really fired up. He gets really angry, it seems, at the disciples for this response. And Jesus gets particularly passionate, and he fires off a series of questions. So from verse 17, imagine you're in the boat with Jesus. He's just given you this profound teaching about the yeast of the Pharisees, and you've gone, oh, it's because we didn't bring the bread. Jesus is really annoyed with us. This is what Jesus had to say. Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Are you feeling a bit sheepish now? Jesus is just barraging you with questions. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Oh, twelve, 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He answered to them, do you still not understand? I think they regret bringing up the bread. What is Jesus so fired up about here? Why is he so annoyed that they're talking about bread? If there's one loaf between me and 20 other people in this church, I'm I'm thinking about food. I'm like, geez, we should have bought more bread. But Jesus is really annoyed. And it comes down to this. The disciples are not telling their mindset what they already know. And that that is, they have experienced Jesus... They have just experienced Jesus feed 4,000 people with a bunch of loaves, right? They've just experienced that. That Jesus is in the boat with them. And they are so caught up about the fact that there's not enough bread on board. It's a big point of anxiety for them. And Jesus Jesus is frustrated. Rather than soaking in this important teaching, they can't stop thinking about what they lack. Rather than enjoying and finding the peace that they are in the presence of the great provider who can produce bread from anywhere and deliver them to anything, they're just focused on what they lack. Or, but we don't have enough bread. And you know, as human beings, and I think this will make sense to everyone, when we experience lack, that's when your composure is tested. Because a focus, as a human being, who can get a little focused in our own worlds, A focus on what you don't have can absolutely consume you. Is that true? Like a focus on what you don't have can absolutely consume you and run you. A focus on the fact that you don't have enough time or money or talent or resources or capacity. Or if you're a church, we don't have enough people. We don't have enough resources. We don't have a building. Like you can live your whole world staring at what you lack and that can be your whole mindset. And the disciples couldn't get their heads above what they lacked and realise that the provider is in the boat with them. When we're staring our lack in the face, your lack, moments where we, we feel like we don't have enough of what we think we should have, what mindset presents? See, you may be someone here who will confidently tell me, oh no, the Lord works for the good of those who love him. But your mindset when your world is a little tough is everything is against you and it's all for nothing. You've got to tell your mindset what you say you know. You may know that peace comes to those who present their anxieties to the Lord and trust Him. But your mindset the moment you feel a bit of financial pressure is to stress and act like the world is falling apart. You may know that the one who dresses the lilies in the fields and feeds the sparrows will certainly provide for you. And if you're like me in this life, it's crazy that I ever feel stress about provision because in the one million days in my life, I have gone without a meal zero times and had lack of shelter zero times in my life. You think I would have enough reason to not stress and trust the Lord tomorrow? I've got to tell my mindset what I know. The disciples are with the provider. He is in the boat with them. They should be a little less anxious and concerned over a lack of bread. And a little more, perhaps joyful, and amazed that they are in the boat with the Saviour of the world. They are in the boat with the Saviour of the world. But get this. I need to bring this home in an awkward way for those who would say they're Christians. All right, so for those who are followers of Jesus, yeah, Jesus has bestowed his Holy Spirit on all who believe in him. Yes, we agree. We agree. We agree. Okay, cool. Next, next is, there's this verse. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Beautiful verse. And it's this picture of Jesus has said that if we yoke himself to us, if we yoke if we yoke ourselves to him, he will teach us as we go, yeah? He will teach us as we go. And and, and and implicit in that analogy is that he's right next to you. So in other words, if he wants to take Greg to there, he's gonna walk step by step with Greg all the way. He's gonna teach him as he goes. Um in one, sense, in one sense, I believe it's appropriate because the living word is active and Jesus says he's always at work and always teaching. In a sense, gee, God is always speaking in our lives. He's always there. He's always at work. He's, he's with us, teaching us. It's his promise. So, if that's all true, I'm going to hit you with something that should challenge you. Friends, if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, he's in your boat. Are you going to fret about your lack of provision when the provider is in the boat with you? Are you going to fret about a storm when the one who calms the storms and delivers Israel from Egypt is in the boat with you? He is with you. He is in the boat with you. How can the disciples ever fret when the provider, the deliverer, the forgiver is in the boat with them? How can we fret over a lack of anything when the Son of God is in the boat with us? The one who pursued you, died for you, fed the 4,000, healed the blind and the lame. The one who said, come to me, yoke yourself to me. He is in the boat with you. The one who said, I have come that you may have life to the full, is in the boat with you. So surely it is true, and I'm saying this with a sense of challenge. Surely it is true that when you are faced with your lack, you are calm and you are at peace, and you are still, because the Lord is with me. How dare I fret when Jesus is in the boat with me? How dare I get scared? How dare I get overwhelmed when Jesus is in the boat with me? He's with me. So, as a church, right, let's say there's some tumultuous times and crazy times, and, you know, Daryl will tell you, people have been here the whole life of the church man ups and downs Up, communities has ups and downs it's, it's, but when the church might be faced with a sense of lack or a sense of confusion who will be the ones in the congregation who will say hey hey he's in the boat with us it's okay it's okay turns out Nate wasn't the son of God anyway he's alright like, right. he does some things but you know I'm not the provider You're not the provider, but the provider is in the boat with us, and so we can be calm. I really want you to believe this morning that you can have faith that is still in any storm, in the face of any lack, and you can sit calmly in the promises of God. You know, the Lord's Prayer, I like to say, is a toolbox. You guys know this in the way I teach it, but it's a toolbox that leans into all the attributes of God. So when we say, thy kingdom come and thy will be done, we're talking about Jesus as our King. Well, your king is in the boat with you. When we talk about give us today our daily bread, we're talking about God as our provider. Well, your provider is in the boat with you. When you're talking about the one who forgives us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, well, the forgiver is in the boat with you. So when you're struggling to be gracious to other people, remember, the gracious one is right there with you. When you're struggling to forgive yourself and guilt overcomes you, the gracious one is right there. We turn to him, turn to him. Imagine, like, imagine the picture of Jesus being in the boat and we're all there, you know, we're trying to plug all the holes and we're trying to run around We're screaming at the sky. I think maybe because I'm an ordained minister, I can say, be still, it's not working. You know, we're running around trying to just keep the boat afloat and Jesus is standing there going, is anyone going to ask me for help? I, I, I'm pretty good, like, I'm Jesus. No, 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 Jesus, we've got this. We're just going to fret and struggle and blame each other and get angry and fret and panic, but we're not going to turn to you, even though you're in the boat with us. That's not going to work. Jesus is in the boat with us, guys. So may St. Clair Baptist Church, and may you in your own individual life, display a spiritual composure that is calm and confident in the Lord because he is in the boat with you.